0: Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of the day it is you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And yes, I know it's been a while. It's probably been the longest gap in between shows since last offseason. But uh, as you know, I, we did have a little bit of uh, technical difficulties on the post-Super Bowl show that I uh, did record, and uh, or we thought recorded, uh, when I brought Matt on. And um, so, unfortunately, that episode ended up not taking. So that's the reason. And then we just kind of had, you know, scheduling issues trying to get Matt back on. He will be, uh, he'll be joining us here momentarily. But I wanted to just, um, you know, explain why it's been a little bit of a time uh, in between podcasts. So uh, thanks for your patience on that. What we're going to do today is, uh, I did promise you that we'd get Matt's take on the Super Bowl, but I don't want to spend a to- a lot of time on the Super Bowl in this podcast. We're kind of all at this point, I think, uh, trying to get past the disappointing uh, loss. Um, but I wanted, you know, because Matt was uh, on the show throughout the playoffs, want to make sure that uh, we give him a, an opportunity to talk about the Super Bowl. And um, also just wanted to, um, you know, we got a lot to talk about. There's breaking news today, so we're going to dive right into it. So without any further ado, uh, let's bring on... Our special guest, Matt, once again. Matt, thanks for joining us. I know it's been a little while since we've last, uh, well, we did try. There's no doubt, A for effort. Uh, we shot like, a, recorded about an hour and 20 minutes of a um, Super Bowl uh, podcast, but none of it ended up taken. So, um, Matt, thanks for coming back and we're going to give us another shot.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me back. And, you know, I think what I'll do is just avoid talking about referees altogether. And that saves at least 20, 25 minutes right off the top. So no talking about refs. Even as I break down my own thoughts on the Super Bowl, I'll go elsewhere with that. Because, mean, honestly, the refs didn't impact it the way that they couldn't have won it regardless of whatever the calls were. And whether you thought they should have made or, or not made. I don't think it mattered. There's three big steps that occurred that that impacted the Super Bowl outcome way, 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 way more. So, well, go ahead and talk um, about those
0: steps. We'll just get right into the your thoughts on the uh, on the Super Bowl. And will you, you know, I talked a lot about the refs. I, you know, played some sound bites. Um, you know, it is it is what it is at this point. But uh, so, what are your three three key points as uh, the reason why the Eagles uh, fell a little bit short?
1: Three key points, two of them are kinda of tied together, but it starts with Jalen Hurts, he played an awesome game, he had an awesome season, but you just can't fumble the ball and give away seven six points, right? Seven points with the extra point. Right. Kicked. Yeah. So and he knows that and he and we knew he would respond too. I remember, you know, we both were chit chatting during the game, we're like, he's he's not gonna let this bury him, he'll come right back.
0: But yeah, and he did. Point. He came back with a vengeance, just as we thought. He did. Yep.
1: And he takes it off just like he does everything else, and he just comes right back. And it was a fluke play, you know. It's one of those things where I am like, you know, Jesus, really? Like, ball just pops out while he's trying to transition it to like these things happen. Yeah,
0: like, such hopefully. a freak play. Just, just really quick on that. Uh, I am glad you mentioned it. It's just they didn't even. That's the part that's the, probably the most difficult because the ball just simply slipped out of his hands. He wasn't even tackled. It wasn't a play at all that the Chiefs made. It was just a simple slip he was just changing arms with his with the football and it squirted out and it happened to bounce right into uh yeah.
1: it's right into the chief's mean,
0: hands easy seven gets points kicked
1: out to where there's only three chiefs players it's like all right well you can't yeah. do anything about that one but no to win the super bowl against good teams you can't give away points even if it were just a field goal you can't give away a field goal yeah so and and as much
0: as i hate most- to say you know as soon as that happened it's just i knew that this would be a close game the chiefs are obviously a great team and it's just when something like that happens, God, you just think in the back of your mind that oh, this is going to come back and fight. It and probably be the difference in the game. And unfortunately, it ended up being the difference in the game. But well, go ahead. I don't want to. Yeah, go ahead.
1: There's only one way to counter that, and that's the team has to give you back points. That's usually the only way it goes. And if you're talking two great teams in the Super Bowl, you're not going to get that back. So it didn't come back. We would have needed a flute play equal to that one to get those points back, and just never happened. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing is, and this is kind of tied to the third thing, uh, so I guess I'll address Pat Mahomes first. So Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, and even on his gimpy non-feeling, because it was shot up from so many shots I can't feel any high ankle sprain pain, (laughs) the dude was still just able to throw – very accurately and just he's nobody like him. He's cool, confident, just like Hertz is. And he's just a miracle worker sometimes on the field. So he's, he, he might be the prototypical quarterback of all great quarterbacks. When you think about it, he's got the coolness of Joe Montana. He can sling it like Joe Montana. He can move in the pocket like Michael Vick. He can escape. He can do all these things. And he's just very smart. Doesn't make mistakes. So, and, and even on the gimpy foot, you know, those two, two plays in the second half where he just broke those long scrambles. They weren't too long, but they were 20 yards here. Seven long enough, yeah. Whatever the final was, it's just watching him run through that middle of the defense. I was just like, ah, there's nobody. We couldn't do anything in the middle of the defense all day, which leads me to number three, John Gannon, who I've been pretty supportive on this program all year long mm-hmm. from the beginning, saying he didn't have the parts and pieces last year, so give him a chance. He does put together a pretty strong year of defense. The Eagles lead the league in sacks. Record breaking history for the Eagles on sacks in the season. Four guys on the line with ten plus sacks. And he got completely exposed against that Chiefs offense and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to the point of looking silly on certain plays and then just not able to even stop the bleeding on other plays. So
0: yeah, those those not only did they have the one, but they might have had two of the easiest uh, touchdowns that I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. Yep. Now, I'm sure there's probably been others that I just can't recall at this time, but two-in-one game, you can see one maybe in a Super Bowl that's just, hey, where was the guy? Nobody was covering him. Eagles had two defensive-blown coverages where there was easy walk-in touchdowns.
1: Yeah, completely uncontested. So those those are the three things in a nutshell, and I'm like, really, to talk about anything further than those three, it's not even really worth it because – those three things happened, and they are just too big of a, too deep of a hole to dig out from. So, uh, as far as the Chiefs go, love Andy Reid, always will. He changed football forever in Philadelphia from where it was left from Norman Braman years before. So, yep. the dude just gets mad respect in Philly, even if he got stale before the end of his career. I don't know how you can hate on Pat Mahomes. The Kelsey brothers playing, what a fantastic story. Yeah. And just two good teams. I don't hate anybody, you know, on either of those teams. The field turf was the only other outlier that I'm like, that sucked.
0: Yeah. So, so I definitely think that hurt the Eagles more than the Chiefs because they have especially Reddick, a guy like a speed rusher with Reddick relies on his uh bending ability and to get around the getting around the edge. Chiefs don't really have anybody like that on defense, so I do think especially with Reddick and the Eagles pass rush um, it probably impacted them more. But the bottom line is yeah. both both teams did have to play on it, but I do think it probably impacted the Eagles defense more so than the Chiefs. But, again, not making excuses. It just, it just sucks. And the fact that the NFL put that new glossy surface field and tested it out first in the Super Bowl game is just absolutely unacceptable and just, just stupid.
1: Well, if that's the way they want to go with that, then – hold the Super Bowl in every city because I would have rather watched snow make the players fall than just right. fucking people. Exactly. So that's a great, that's an great excellent point. Baseball. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's my Super Bowl thoughts uh, in
0: a nutshell. All right, I'll just, uh, I'll give a few more, you know, comments based on what you said. I, I definitely agree with uh, with the points that you, that you made there. Uh, agree that, I think probably the only thing that makes it, I hate to use the word easier because it's never easy losing a Super Bowl because you know how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl. And it's so hard to get to that game. And there's two things, I guess. One thing that makes it a little bit slightly easier is I don't have any – you mentioned it. I don't have any hate for the Chiefs. I respect Mahomes greatly. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's a classy he's a classy quarterback. He's a great quarterback. You know, um, there's not much more to say about Mahomes. He's, he's a star. And uh, Andy Reid. You know, uh, I have talked in this program about the fact that I did want Andy fired um, probably about halfway into his Eagles career. I still hold to those reasons for the exact same reasons I've given all along. But that's not to say that he's not a good head coach and and he's not improved as a head coach. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of the stupid mistakes that he made in Philadelphia in terms of game, game management. Um, and one thing he learned from McNabb when he had – Unfortunately, he had to go through McNabb as a learning experience. But once he got another young stud quarterback, he did not wait six, seven years to surround him with talent like he did with McNabb. And that's one of the things I've always held against Reed, is he just expected Donovan to do everything on offense. And which, to McNabb's credit, he, he basically did. Uh, but when it came down to those close playoff games, the, the lack of wide receiver talent, and, and Andy Reid's game management skills cost us a lot of energy, and uh, trips to the Super Bowl. Um, so those have always been my issues, Reid. But, I, you know, there's a lot of Andy Reid um, legacy and philosophy and strategy that still exists with this Eagles team. Like building the lines and you know, how, how strong the lines always are. That's Andy Reid who brought that philosophy into the Eagles many, many couple decades ago now. Um, and the Eagles have continued to maintain strength on the offensive defensive lines to the point where, during drafts, they will continue to take defensive and offensive linemen over positions of needs. Um, sometimes it can be frustrating, but you understand why they do it and it makes sense uh, in a lot of cases. So, um, so again, easy, easier I should say. Not going to say easy, but just I guess lessens the blow a little bit. The frustrating thing is that you know how this, this Eagles team that we saw this year, and we're going to get into the free agency momentarily, um, probably the Eagles are not going to be as talented. Well, not probably. It's likely that the Eagles are not going to be as talented as this year's team next year or the year after and the year after because of the contractual obligations. They're, uh, like uh, they're going to need to pay Hertz now. Almost like Wentz. They're going to need to pay Hertz now um they're gonna have to put more money into to keep some of the guys and there's gonna lose a lot of guys you know how he said it we're not gonna be able to bring everybody back which is kind of good because there's some guys that probably don't deserve to come back but there's other guys that you really would like to have back are not gonna be able to bring back so um that's what makes this loss uh hurt a little bit more because i do believe that the eagles were the better overall football team um but the best team doesn't always win you gotta you gotta show up and you can't turn the ball over and the Eagles did show up in a sense, maybe defensively you can argue they didn't, they didn't, especially in the second half. But, you know, I think offensively they showed up. Hertz showed up. And um uh, but they they you know, that seven points that they gave away early, um, ended up being the difference in the game. So that's kinda you know, that's the last we're gonna we'll keep, you know, talk about the Super Bowl as it's now time to uh you know pick our pick ourselves up. And, turn the page yeah as a fan base turn the page um and, uh, and get get going on the 2023 season so that's that's where we'll head now um any final thoughts before one, I move on go ahead
1: yeah one quick comment just because you know I I live in the mid-Atlantic region, so all the commanders talk about Dan Snyder and all this stuff, and if you look around the league at the Cleveland Browns and you have these other teams that are kind of in states of disarray and teams that never found a quarterback, it's just you should appreciate Philadelphia. I know you show appreciation through booze a lot, but the job that Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni did this year with all of their staffs and everybody else to run a football organization. It's a pretty complex deal from top to bottom. And they just deserve like mounds of credit. Like, what an amazing thing to be an Eagles fan ever since Glory took over the organization. This is a winning uh, championship place to play football. And even if we don't, even if we just have the one Super Bowl, I'm like the one thing I said on the, on the recording that didn't come through is I expect this team to win. And as a football fan of your favorite team, that's so much different and a far different piece where Commanders fans are, where Seahawks fans are, where Browns fans are, where Broncos fans are, where Giants fans are. We are in the top five, Yeah, I would say, almost in the running now um, for just having a competitive team that's going to show up. And they just they do a lot of things right. And, you know, a couple of yeah. footballs bounce our way and we'll be champions again. But just they've done an outstanding job, and it's exciting to go into the season knowing that, there's
0: no significant changes in that. Yeah, I'm uh, glad. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that that could not be emphasized enough. And maybe we don't even talk about it on this program enough. You know, you know me personally, just by myself. I mean, I know that I'd mention it, but sometimes just a quick little mention. And and uh, I think right now is a good time to really uh, elaborate more on on just what you said. And that is, especially Jeffrey Lurie, because if you remember the Eagles, I, I always say this with Lurie. I mean, Eagle fans that are probably well, much younger than me out there now as <laughs> I it's like, it's like continue to, to get older. But uh, a lot of them don't know. A lot of the younger Eagle fans don't know that this team was was on the verge and there was rumors and some of them were strong of actually leaving Philadelphia. This is back in the um, mid-1990s uh, when Norman braman was, um, was get, selling the team and they were having trouble in the area finding um, – People to sell it to within the philadelphia metro area and there was rumors that the team was either going to move to california or arizona phoenix and was uh, was the two hot rumors and could you imagine if the eagles i don't know some people probably were like that's impossible the eagles would never leave well i'm telling you right now i was reading the papers back then i was reading the tea leaves and the eagles were close too close for comfort to potentially leaving philadelphia and being sold out to a California or team in Arizona. And Jeffrey Lurie came in, and he's from California. He actually was living in California at the time, um, bought the team, and assured all the fans immediately that the team would be remaining in Philadelphia. So not only does he deserve credit for for building this team and keeping a competitive team for all these years and all the um, uh, coaching hires. Think about the coaching hires of Lurie uh, have got to be the envy of the entire NFL, because the yep. guy, his first hiring was Andy Reid. Nobody really knew who he was, and look at Andy Reid now. He's arguably now the second greatest coach of all time. Um,
1: yeah, I thought he had Ray Rhodes as his first one, though. I thought Ray proceeded. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then,
0: well, did he hire Ray Rhodes? Yeah, you might be right. I, yeah, I'd have to double check on did. that. You might be right.
1: Yeah, and I think even more so. He knew they were only going to get so far, and as an owner, he was like, we need better, and that's when they got Andy. And it's been, you know, they had the Chip Kelly experience, but, man, I think is a good coach, and uh, he's in a good system, and they just they don't have, they're not quite the Steelers, where they only have, like, four coaches in their history, but they don't have this merry go round of coaches and offensive coordinators and quarterbacks like you see so many other places. So, yeah. Head coach he in particular yeah. Put, put a lot of eggs in that basket And appreciate what we got here
0: Yeah, uh, and Ray so- Rhodes is a pretty good coach too um, So I think you might be right uh, About the Rhodes being his first hire I have to double check that But I think you could be right I might have forgot about Rhodes so, But even so, Rhodes was good he Got the Eagles to the playoffs Wasn't a bad coach Then he brought in Andy Reid You know, enough said about Andy uh, And then of course uh, uh, Brought in um, Was it Chip that came in after Andy? Who's who was right after Andy? Was it Chip? I
1: think it was Chip, and then they went from Chip to Doug Peterson. Yeah, and Chip uh, Chip
0: obviously ran his course pretty quick, but um I think you could still say he was a successful hire. They made the playoffs his first year. Um and he did bring some innovative things into the game that still remain today. Uh and then obviously just the league caught up on his on his act pretty quickly and it was time for him to go. Plus, he did a lot of stupid things like the McCoy trade and the Deshaun Jackson he trade. Was close.
1: So he well, kind of ran
0: himself out of here quick. Um, but uh, – and then there's Doug Peterson, right? And, yep. and then Doug Peterson obviously won the team's first Super Bowl. And then we've gone from Doug Peterson to Sirianni, and Sirianni in his first year – or second year, rather, uh, got his team to the Super Bowl. So, yep. I mean, his his hiring has been fantastic. Um, and uh, – yeah,
1: They've been able to transition these teams that they've
0: gotten old. Yeah, uh, I was gonna get to that. Yeah. Out um without
1: these decades uh, of suffering that other teams have had to go through.
0: Right. So like, I mean, I thought uh, when, when Wentz busted out and they gave him that huge contract, I thought for sure that that set the Eagles back out five really? times. I probably said it on this podcast that I thought that it just set this team in reverse. When you pay all that money out to a who you think's your franchise quarterback and he gets injured and is never the yeah. same quarterback again. And, you know, that could really set your team back. And that was what I was saying. I thought that this team was set back five years when it happened. And yep. for the Eagles to turn it around as quickly as they did, I mean, granted, they got a little lucky. I mean, do you call it luck? Do you call it, you know, that they really knew what they were no. doing bringing Hurts in there? I don't know. It's probably a little bit of both. They probably liked them, but I don't think they expected them to be as good this fast. Uh, so they kind of got lucky with that selection of Hurts. Um, but yet they had the guts to take them, so you got to give credit for that. But to get this team back in the Super Bowl just a f- couple of years after the whole Wentz debacle, that is incredible and, and and impressive.
1: Yep, and that's where we're at. And you know, I like I said, I listen to local commanders radio talking. I'm like, they're talking about Wentz being released yesterday. Like, yeah. so now they're all hyped up that they had an upgrading quarterback last year. Like, and here they are again saying Sam Howell's an upgrade. I'm <laughs> so like, okay, you guys are moving backwards. I don't know if you know this, and it's just nice to know that the Eagles are moving backwards. Yeah. Even you know, if they have a bad season, they just—they're not moving backwards. They're always no. They're always rip, They're ripping the bandaid off, and they're growing, and they just—they reboot, and they know how to do it. They've done it. How he's done it
0: himself twice already. So Yeah, it's a good segue, this conversation. because I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Go ahead. No, it's
1: just an amazing thing. That's all appreciated, Eagles fans. Yeah,
0: I think everyone should appreciate that. Eagle fans out there who may not really recognize how difficult it is to do what the Eagles have, have done and accomplished over the last several years, if not going way back like we've kind of done uh, to the uh, Andy Reid years because they've never really had more than a two-year period uh, where we've had bad football here in Philadelphia. So that, um, that is uh, a blessing for fans, and they wish they could have that. Matt named a lot of the teams that don't have that luxury are going on several seasons, if not a decade, some of them, that they've not won and uh, have not seen a playoff game. So, um, Well, uh, I think that's a good segue because – you know, we're talking about taking a step back and, you know, the challenges of, of kind of refiring and retooling and keeping the thing, keeping the ball rolling forward. Well, not only did the Eagles have a ton of free agents this year, but they also, days after losing the Super Bowl, lost both their offensive coordinator in uh, Steinen. Uh, is his pronounced Steinen? I almost forgot to pronounce his name now. Stecken, Steinen? Steichen. Steichen. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, um, and... And then of course uh, Gannon as well on defense. So Gannon actually never left Arizona, which is kind of interesting. He, so
1: funny.
0: Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> he, he never even got on the plane and went back to Philly. He uh, was hired like the day after the Super Bowl, so uh, he just remained in in Arizona, uh, which is kind of kind of odd how that all happened. But um, so we we not only have to potentially you know figure out a replace the free agents we're not able to sign. Um, but also replace three-quarters of our coaching staff because the offenses of D.C. are both gone. Uh, breaking news as of today. So it's good timing. You know, some things sometimes timing is everything. So even though, Matt, and I had a technical difficulty in the first first uh, recap of the Super Bowl, not uh, actually being able to, to put out there for everybody, um, the fact that we're able to get together today and shoot this podcast, well, we got the news breaking today that the Eagles have hired, and this one's not so much of a surprise because this was the long-rumored replacement um, for Stecken was Brian Johnson. Um, the quarterback coach uh, has been elevated, and apparently he was a hot commodity around the NFL to be a potential offensive coordinator. So the Eagles do promote Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach of Jalen Hurts. And here's a guy you want to talk about a relationship with Jalen Hurts. Not only was he his quarterback, um, but he actually uh, played football under – jalen hurt's father um so they go way back the relationship between um uh, brian johnson and jalen hurts he's known jalen, jalen hurts since he was a kid since jalen was a kid so um you want to talk about a you know offensive coordinator and quarterback relationship you're going to find a, hard to find a more stronger one than, than those two guys have so um i don't know a lot about them uh, I'm going to turn over to Matt and see how much he knows about Brian Johnson. But I don't know. Other than what I just mentioned to you, I just know that he was um, he's well thought of across the league in terms of his um, capabilities. And uh, a lot of teams were interested in talking to him. The Eagles would not make himself available. I think they kind of knew that just, like, well, they would probably lose him. Um, but, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on Brian Johnson uh, promoted to offensive coordinator?
1: So, A, I like it when all teams promote from within. Um, I'm surprised when teams don't do it more often because I'm like, well, who do you hire? Like to hire a whole staff and then not have any faith in somebody to move up is kind of weird to me when these other teams don't do that. So um, for all the things that you mentioned with his relationship with Jan Hurts, that makes a ton of sense. But also just knowing that, like, you've got a guy already in house that's going to work well with your head coach, that knows the offense, that knows how to give it. And so, really, you're just looking at the organizational things. And if the guy was well vetted and and pursued by the other fellow for being an organized guy, like usually it's your organization, organizational skills that that come across in the interview for when you get hired or not as an OC. So as long as he can kind of break the things down and run the offense, he'll have Sirianni there to back to backstop him for calling plays. So I think it's an excellent hire and. It always like I think there's it's different with the OC than it is with the DC. I think DC, and this might be from just watching Andy Reid operate with Jim Johnson all those years. He did not touch the defense. It's like Jim, this
0: is yours. And that's how Sirianni up. actually ran things with Gannon too. He kind of let Gannon yeah. take care of the off defense. He let him go. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I think that's kind of like an Eagle philosophy because if you looked at Doug Peterson too, he trusted Schwartz to do the same thing. Right. You know that's true. And so. I like that a lot, and for me, the O.C. is going to be more of a company man, uh, keep things going the way they're going, and usually if the O.C. is gone, the head coach should probably be gone too, in my opinion.
0: Well, you pointed out uh, that um, he would be calling the plays, and Sirianni already did uh, confirm that Brian Johnson will be calling the plays, much like he had Stike calling the plays um, prior to his departure.
1: Yeah, and I like that structure, right? So that lets Sirianni just focus on the head coach job. That lets all these other guys, that, you know, it's good leadership when you hire somebody for a role and you say it's on you. You know, I'm going to let you do how you want to do it, and here's the goals and objectives that we're trying to accomplish. Yep. So have it. And that's um, People love working in positions like that. You don't want to threaten. Uh, you know, being canned, and the coach takes, you know, has to make a move. Like it's just, it's awful in other places. Look at the Browns. You look at these organizations, like the Commanders again, and it's just like you, you, wrote, you get on that coaching carousel. Whether it's OCs that got to pay the price, or this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, honestly, if the coach is firing their OC or DC, usually the head coach needs to take some of that responsibility too. Yeah. So <laughs> I like that hire. I think that's the most stable thing you could do for hurts. Agree. Yeah, the state is the same, and so if there's any changes, it's it's minimal at best, and yep. it's um, it's the best possible way to go for the Eagles. Yeah, and
0: Sirianni added today. He you know he spoke to the press spoke to the press at the uh, combine, which is starting up, um, and so did Howie. So I was able to catch some of their thoughts. And Sirianni did say when he was asked um, about the re, you know just the about Brian Johnson in and of itself and how things may or may not change in terms of his responsibilities. He did say, and this kind of gets to your point that you're driving at, that, you know, he's, Brian Johnson was in on all the offensive, um, you know, game planning. So he was in those meetings. He worked alongside of, of both Seriani and Steichen in, in developing the game plans. So his point was he was part of all of the scheming and offensive play designs that they would come up with for each uh, game. And so he's, you know, he's, he's, Already been engaged in that type of, of activity, so it's really a promotion, and you know, and um, and it's not something that he's not. Uh, he's going to have more additional responsibility now. calling plays, but in terms of game planning and uh, getting the offensive ready, he was he was very influential in in, in all of that uh, this past season. So um, let's go. This is going to be interesting based on what you said about the keeping and hiring from within. Because I'm interested in know what you're going to say about the defensive coordinator. Because the Eagles decided not to hire from within. Uh, the long, the hot rumor was that Denard Wilson, the uh, secondary coach, was going to be in line for the promotion to defensive coordinator. But the Eagles casted a wider net on defensive coordinator. And um, ended up hiring today the um, assistant, a defensive assistant coordinator uh, from the Seattle Seahawks, Sean um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Desai, Desai? Desani, something like that. Desai. <laughs> Do you know how to pronounce his last name? I'm not even sure. Probably, I don't
1: know.
0: Sorry, probably butchering the heck out of it. This is another Pacheco for me.
1: I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I know the Eagles were high on Vic Fangio, and he's a Vic Fangio disciple. Okay. And you know he was in Seattle last year.
0: Um, and he was with know, the Bears was, uh, prior to that.
1: The Bears, yeah. So, part of that, he was the Bears defensive coordinator for the year that they were dominating things. And of course, they had talent back then, like Khalil Mack was still a Bear.
0: Yeah, they were ranked um, six in the NFL, I believe, when he was the Bears DC, something like that. Yeah.
1: So, um, there's a lot of uh, things to like about this guy. Plus, that Bears defense was aggressive. And it's one of the things that, like, Eagles fans will love about this guy. It's definitely not going to look like a John Gannon. And, uh, a Gannon defense and a Jim Schwartz defense. Both of those kind of, like, we're just play play against the sticks, play against the big play. We'll only blitz when we have to. And it worked well enough. Like I said, the Eagles got some super bowl, so don't take any credit away from Jonathan Gannon. But at the same time, Philly loves to win with a defense that's going to go. and
0: We love the aggressive defense.
1: And just get after it, yep. Um, and so, an occasional smart blitz here and there, I'll take the risk for the touchdown over the top. Yeah. You know? Just show me that we were trying to get to the quarterback on that play, and I'll be fine with it. That's much better than watching a guy get smoked uh, because of a miscommunication or just that we don't have the, the studs on the back end.
0: So- yeah, I think what you're saying, just to kind of break it down and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we'd much rather see a third and 15 conversion being made on a play where they blitzed the quarterback and just didn't get home versus them playing back and they still convert a third and 15. Is that kind of what you're saying? Cause that's how my, that's Absolutely. how I feel. Yeah. yeah and I
1: don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a silly mentality or what, or if it just comes across as you worked harder and you gave it your shot. And you just, you got beat by the shot and you know, modern offenses are meant to, if you have a smart quarterback to read the hot read. But, but if you get there though, it's like, how many quarterbacks can actually do that? You're still talking about five or less. You know, it's the Brady's right. and the Drew Breezes of the bunch that are on top of those types of things. And everyone else is going to struggle a little bit. But
0: They are, but at the be, same time, and I know what you're getting at with that, but they're also, if you don't, even the great ones, when you pressure them, they will scamper or get rid of the ball quicker than they want to or throw it inaccurately. It even happens ahead, to the best, you know, when they're under pressure. Especially if
1: you've got that beef coming up the middle. Yeah. So, you get, you get a little rush going on any of these good quarterbacks, and it's going to make them step aside, throw a ball they didn't want to, throw it early, throw it a little bit off kilter, and that's when you get the big plays, the interceptions, and things like that. So I think Philly will be excited to see what this guy brings to the table in that regard. And otherwise, his, his background is quite good. And if you were to tell me that some other coach – Uh, had a resume that competed. The thing I love the most is that he did come from that Vic Fangio-style defense and Vic fangio knows defense. He built the Broncos' current defense. And he was the Bears coordinator when they had their last greatest year was that defense by the Bears. So you you can't go wrong with these hires, I don't think. You know, Shane Steichen, I think. Shane Steichen is definitely a bigger loss, I think, than Jonathan Cannon. But um, I think
0: yeah, um, I totally agree with that. I
1: think we are about as well as we could to replace those spots. So I'm, you know, hopefully both men have a good season and are able to put their stamp on things and things turn out successful.
0: Well, here's the other thing that I would point to and say: What is Pete Carroll known for? Like, what's his forte? What is Pete Carroll's forte? Yeah, as a
1: head coach? Yeah, man. What is the philosophy of.
0: Well, I mean, what is his background? What is his background? Well,
1: his background is. Uh, I
0: feel like I'm putting you on the spot suddenly.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking defense, and I, everything that strikes me off Pete Carroll is offense. Yeah, no,
0: he's I he's felt. a defensive guy. He's all about defense. Uh, now, granted, he has always had a pretty good offense in, uh, in Seattle, but he was a uh, defensive coordinator in the NFL. And, uh, he's defensive minded. He's all about the defense. And so, um, well, I shouldn't say all about the defense. He's pretty well balanced coach, but his, his leaning is defense. And so that was the point of bringing up that this guy was working under Pete Carroll. And then Pete Carroll obviously thought about enough about this guy to hire him on his team. So, um, I think that's a pretty good endorsement of, uh, this guy's capabilities other than, you know, I don't know a lot about him, but so I'm kind of looking for things to, to, um, kind of latch on to, and so if this guy, like I said, if Pete Carroll brought this guy in for his defense, then uh, that gives me some uh, some extra confidence in, in who we're who now uh, turning over the, the keys to on our defense.
1: Well, I would say Seattle didn't have the horse that we had last year, so the issue is to see. Oh, definitely not. Know, have, no. After we talk about the free agents, we're keeping uh, what is left to go uh, with this new detour there. But I think it's exciting. It's always exciting to think about that. Yeah. Uh, if you think the prior guy was a little bland, which I'm pretty sure Philadelphia is <laughs> – uh, Yes. Bland might be even too kind of a word for how I think most Philadelphians thought of Jonathan Gannon. So I think it's great for Gannon to move on. Great thing that he didn't have to drive uh, get on that plane and fly home and hear from the Philly crowd. I don't wish him anything but the best out there, but I'm, I am glad that this transitioned the way that it did because – I think he was clearly overmatched in the Super Bowl, and that lack of being able to flex and be adaptable kind of came through once again, right? Yep. So I'm hoping that somebody that just take a shot, be aggressive on defense, and don't be alarmed when the play doesn't turn out your way. Just know that, okay?
0: Yeah, I have a feeling yeah. that Gannon might be a better head coach than defensive coordinator. That's kind I of think he's be a great that coach. wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, um, I agree. 'cause I do think he's a smart guy and I think he knows football. And, and he never came across to me as an idiot or he was didn't know what he was doing. Now, did, could he have adjusted in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Uh he got smoked by Andy Reid, uh, who did make the proper adjustments and absolutely destroyed our defense and made it look silly as far as how open those guys were. But Andy Reed does that to a lot of defense coordinators. So um,
1: uh, he's already dealt with the toughest media market in the world. So right. being a head coach at- questions
0: in arizona's uh that's that's minor league baseball yeah and Steichen is uh he's a class act you know i don't know if you caught any of his speech when he gave his introductory press conference to the colts but he thanked every eagles offensive player during this indianapolis colts press conference for getting him you know for for the work that they did and getting him being Steichen uh promoted so that was pretty classy how many how often you ever see that Happened So no. he, oh, named, he named them off each one by name. So, and he was, he was getting, you know, emotional while he was doing it. So it was coming from the heart. So that was, I wish him well. He's, uh he's, um he did well here and uh, we wish them both well. I think they're both going to be successful. I think Indianapolis is a, you know, that's a tough environment. I don't know if those ownership knows what they're doing over there. You know, we talked about the great Eagles ownership, but they've made some really right. interesting and kind of wacky decisions in Indianapolis in recent years
1: yeah um, and we, we don't have that so no no we don't, no. We, don't. We, we
0: touched on Howie you brought up Howie but we'll just touch on him really quick as you know before we get into the free agents because this is this is his department so it's a good time to kind of talk about Howie real quick but we talked about rebuilding and retooling and revamping and just keeping the wheels spinning forward and there's no greater architect you can make an argument for the last say five years that there's no better general manager in the entire NFL than Howie Roseman. And who would have been, who would have thought you'd be saying that five years later? Cause a lot of Eagle fans wanted him run out of town. So, um,
1: well, when you draft Jalen Rager, which by the way, when we said last year, him not being on the team would be a major plus. And look what happens. Yeah. Right? So you can't, you can't have drafts like that, uh, without taking the criticism. So he took the criticism and, there's a couple drafts that he crushed. I forgot what one we were talking about the other day, but
0: like every yeah, draft. It was the uh, Goddard draft, um, whatever year that was. That was the one where he hit on almost everybody. That was um, uh, every
1: one. Yeah. And they didn't even have a pro draft pick that class. Yeah. That um, was
0: the one with Goddard. And um, who's the, uh, who's our slot corner. They got him late and they got, uh, they got obviously my um, lot that same draft. I mean, they nailed you know, almost Maddox. all 1-7. through seven. Maddox, that's who I was thinking of. Yes, Maddox, they hit late. Um, uh, Sweat was in that draft. So Sweat, Goddard, Maddox, and Maialata. I think they're all the same draft.
1: Yeah, all solid players. Let, they made this team get to the Super Bowl. So I trust in Halley, and um, he'll, he'll do things the right way, and he's never going to let the cap dominate. You know, once if they make a move and they make a push to the Super Bowl, give him a year, he'll restructure stuff, and then we're right back at it. Yep. You know, we go through these two-year transition periods and I'm like, nobody else has that. They're all 5 to 10 year transitions and some never stop transitioning. So,
0: yep, so um, we're in a it's, you know, graph, a in a Super Bowl year, we're now in another transition because and it's really just I don't want to say self-inflicted, it's just kind of the just the way that the times are the way you say, Yeah, it's just the way that the timing is just lining up. They have a lot of free agents. Um and so what I want to do now, because this will be kind of interesting, and this is what we did also on the podcast that didn't record, so we're going to give it a second shot here. Uh, we got some time, because we're pacing-wise for this episode. We are uh, 40 minutes in, so we got a good 20 minutes here, so we'll wrap up the show here. But I want to go through and get your take on the free agents, uh, the pending free agents on the team, and we'll just give it a uh, stay or go, and then a quick reason why. All right, we'll start off with Fletcher Cox.
1: Fletcher Cox can go, and then hopefully we sign him back.
0: Well, yeah, I remember you mentioned that, uh, again, on a podcast that did not record. Um, this is the last time I'm going to mention that. But <laughs> it's just that I know you didn't mention it on the air technically quite yet. But uh, here's my thing with that thought process. They're saying, and when I say they, there is a um, website that a lot of um, teams follow and i don't know if yeah. gms necessarily follow but it's really a pretty good gauge it's called spot value yeah it's called yeah. spot track and they pretty much give a prediction of the market value by player they have him even at his advanced age which uh he is i don't know if it tells me he's 32 he's going to be 33 next year been in the league 11 years um they see him getting a he's right now he's making 14 million uh right now with the eagles and they basically have him on that same exact type contract. Uh they see him as market value at getting a 2-year deal at about $28 million. I could tell you right now, I don't believe the Eagles bring him back for $14 million a season. So I don't I don't see nope. I don't see him coming back. Unless like you yep. said, unless there's some kind of, you know, they they misfire here on this market value and there's other teams that see him kind of as just being too old and won't offer him that much and maybe his salary goes down to I don't know, almost cut in half, like nine, ten million. Then maybe the Eagles yep. engage, but I don't think Fletcher. I don't think he's going to come back. I, I don't. I think this. We may have seen the last of Fletcher in an Eagles uniform.
1: Yeah, I think if they can get him for eight to nine, then he stays. But otherwise, uh, and he might still be there. I, I think. I think sometimes those uh, analysis groups are a little bit. Yeah, they could be
0: off. Them. I mean, this is not rock. So far, yeah, this yeah. is not one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Let him go. If he's still there and he wants
0: to sign back, bring him back. All right, so we both have a go on Fletcher with you with the possibility of them bringing him back. Um, next up, this one's a lot easier for me, Robert Quinn. He made $14 million last season <laughs> for absolutely nothing. Um, but at least the Bears paid most of that. But Robert Quinn. So I was originally a go, but
1: the D.C. worked with him and the Bears, and that was his last great season. So I'm yeah, sure that's true. To but on it. uh, if it's what have you done for me lately? No, we don't need him. I would rather draft a young pass rusher and get them going.
0: Yeah, I I, I hear you. I mean, I kind of thought about that for about a half a second. That hey, there's old coordinators coming back, but at 33 years old, uh, there's no way of paying him 14 million. I mean, if he came back at like five million a year, maybe, but I don't know if he's willing to take that much of a pay cut. Maybe he is. He's getting older. I, th- I think he's go. I, I think he's gone. So I'll, I'll just stick to my guns and say he's also gone. All right. Any uh, Anything to add there? I'm going to move on to the next guy. No. Okay. Move All right. Brandon Graham is next on the list. BG will be 35 next year. Uh, obviously, he had his first year when he hit double digits in sacks, and he did that basically as a part-time player. He made $13 million this season. Uh, Market value on Brandon Graham is – they have him at a one-year contract for $5.7 million. I think if Graham is good with that salary, I think the Eagles give it to him or something around there and bring him back for another year. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Because out of Cox uh, and – what's his name? Is Christian? Does, who's, who, who did we just talk about? The defenseman. Robert Quinn. Quinn, Robert Quinn, yeah. So Robert Quinn, Fletcher Cox, BG. BG is the one I bring back out of those three. You so, know, I'm shocked. The
0: million. I'm shocked. Well, actually, I didn't get a market. They actually don't give Quinn a market value. I don't know if they think he's going to retire, but there's no option to kind of look at what he's his, he's valued as. So I was going to say I'd be curious to see. Because, <laughs> I mean, if they, have, if they have Graham basically taking uh, more than half a pay cut, Going into 35 years old, which makes sense. I mean, Graham can't be expected to make 13 million again next year, you know, as a part part time player and as old as he is. So I think if he's around that one year, I think if the Eagles offer him a year at 5.5 million or something like that, they might even get a hometown discount. Maybe they can offer him one year at 4.5 or whatever. You know, I think Graham will take it and he remains an Eagle. I think he comes back, and it sounds like you're on the same, same page there.
1: Well, and the base salary will be pretty low, and it'll all be signing bonus. So it'll be like a quick year right. They might have six or seven layers. I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't mind that for BG because there's leadership there that you yeah, get. Yeah, good point. Good race. point. Yeah, great team guy, great locker room guy, definitely one of the leaders of the team, and uh, one of the best trash talkers in the NFL. So,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: That, that, yep. must, that must equate to some dollars in there too But yeah I think I think Graham would Because uh, you probably will get some better offers Outside but I think if the Eagles Are pretty close or in the ballpark Which I would expect them to be I, I think Graham will come back for another year um, Next up is A big time This is probably the biggest Of pretty much anyone on a team It will be another one that we'll talk about a little bit later But Javon Hargrave 30 years old so he's kind of in the prime of his career right now. Probably has a good two or three more good, really good years left. This will be his last big contract. More than likely that he'd sign. Here's the problem: market value, three years, 60 million dollars, 20 million a season for Mark Javon Argrave. If those numbers hold to be true. And I do think they're probably accurate because defensive tackles that get over 10 sacks are big time, big time, uh, you know, needs in the the NFL. And some team that's got a ton of cap space will probably gladly give him a a deal like that. And I think if he does get that type of a deal, I think the Eagles are not going to be able to retain him. I'm going to say here's the thing I want him to stay. (laughs) <laughs> so I want to make that clear. I think the Eagles should try to do whatever they can to keep Hargrave. Um, however, if it, if his salary gets up around where it is, right, according to this site, $20 million a year, I think they're going to have to let him go. I mean, there's a reason why they did draft Davis last year, um, and you got to get him on the field. So uh, I would try to retain him. I don't think the Eagles will. So I don't know how to answer this question because I guess it all depends on how I'm framing it i mean i did say does he stay or does he go i do want him to stay but i think he's gonna go so i, I guess i'll answer it that way what about you
1: yeah i think he's gonna go because he's just too good of a player and he's gonna be looking for the money for that second contract and he deserves every penny of it so yeah some team's gonna sign him and and uh you know we've got to sign hurts and some other players that i think that are Not quite have the depth that we've got behind Hargrave. So, like you said, we drafted Jordan Davis last year, so they're going to expect Davis to play and step up. So, I think Javon will probably have played his last game.
0: Agree. Agree. I think uh, we're just going to have to figure, we have to just let our minds get set on the fact that they're going to lose Hargrave. Um, Thank him for his time here. He's been one of the best signings that Howie got from the Steelers. He's been a great Eagle, Um, but uh, the fact that they have so many free agents to to try to sign and retain the ones that they feel, like you said, that we have a bigger need depth-wise for. I mean, the Eagles do have Davis, I mentioned, and you mentioned, and they also have Milton Williams, who has shown a lot of ability, too, that they can plug in uh, defensive tackle as well in a rotation type thing. So uh, I think that as much as we would love to have Hargrave remain here, uh, more than likely he is one that's going to be gone. All right. Next is Jason Kelsey, uh, 35 years old. He made $9 million this season. Uh, his market value is at $11.9 million. Here's the thing with Kelsey. I think if he decides to stay, the Eagles keep him, and they probably won't need to sign him for $11.9 million. I do think Kelsey would give the Eagles. I don't know if he'll give him a huge hometown discount, but he probably would maybe sign. He made $9 million this year. Maybe he'll get it. Maybe he'll... Take 10 million or something like that. But, or just maybe stay at 9 million. Who knows? Maybe Kelsey's going to want a little more in the bank because, you know, he knows this is last year and he's got another kid that just that his wife gave birth to uh, last week. Um, but I would think that, that that market value is probably pretty pretty accurate. Um, but I think the Eagles might be able to get him around the 10, 10 mil. Um, but I do think that, I mean, this all depends on if he wants to play. So there's kind of a X factor here with Kelsey. I think if he does want to play, the Eagles keep him. And but there's obviously the potential that they could lose him to retirement. But the good news is, before I turn it over to you, man, on this is that we do have a uh, we did draft his his uh, prodigy, and so uh, he's he's ready to rock and roll for next year. Why well, can't I remember his name? Do you remember his name? Who's the backup center that drafted last Jim year? Jurgens. Thank you. Yeah, We do have Juergens waiting in the mold, and I think it's a perfect spot for Jergens because if Kelsey retires, he plugs right in the center, and away we go. And with the fact that we'll talk about Salamalo here in a minute, uh, if he's the go, I think they're going to have Jergens play guard next year until Kelsey retires. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Matt, what do you think about Kelsey?
1: Kelsey is an all-time Eagles legend that is right up there with Chuck Bednarik and the and the prior greats like reggie white and he's on that level so if he's playing great awesome sign him to a huge signing bonus and let him play one more year but he should not go anywhere as a free agent just like dawkins shouldn't have gone anywhere as a free agent if kelsey's playing and it's within that price range of 10 to eleven million. you bring him back and you let jurgens play guard or somewhere else but kelsey is in the control uh he's the pilot of this plane and and I hope he plays again, but if not, what an awesome career! And hopefully the Eagles find some other role in the organization just to keep working. I I don't want to see Kelsey not involved with the Eagles. That's my yeah. I
0: think he will be. I I, that's a good good thing you mentioned there. I think that uh, Kelsey does will have a place in his organization if he wants it. You know, I think that much like Dawkins hangs around, I think Kelsey same thing. I say I think he's got an open door with the organization. So um, so yeah. Uh, definitely echo your thoughts there next up this is another tough one 29 years old cornerback made second team all pro definitely an area of need played great outside of the tug and super bowl <laughs> james bradbury uh he made seven million dollars uh definitely outplayed his contract for sure last year that was a bargain price for a, as well as he played um market value for him three years 45 million dollars so basically 15 million per season i don't think there's any way that the eagles will be paying him mainly because they pay slay so much there's no way they're going to dump that much salary into two cornerback positions so i don't think that uh that james bradbury will be back but what do you think man I think Howie is a master, and I think if he thinks
1: that he can trade Slay somewhere and the team picks up his contract, that they re-sign Bradbury. So Slay stays, Bradbury
0: stays. Agree. I was going to mention that, but I'm glad you did. Um, Because I I think um, if Howie does get creative like that during free agency and does a quick trade and is able to trade Slay, who's older, and quickly can then re-sign Bradbury to bring him back, then that's probably the only way I see him coming back. But there's a lot of intangibles to make that happen. A lot of variables. First of all, how he's going to find a trading partner for Slay, um, and a team that's willing to take on his contract. Yep. So, and I do believe the Eagles will have to eat also, which makes it more complicated for them. If they trade Slay, I think they got to eat um, eat some. Uh, I think it digs into their cap. There's like a cap loss or something like that. Um, cap yeah. hit. Cap hit is what I mean to say. Um, so, but that's, that's the only way I see Bradbury come back too. So we're, we're definitely in, in sync on that. Um, like to keep him, but I don't see it happening outside of something crazy like that. Um, <clears throat> next up on the list, Isaac Salamalo. Let me see how I'm doing on time here. Cause I really want to try to keep this to an hour. Okay. We've got seven minutes. I'm going to kind of rip through these. It'd be quicker to go through. Um, we got Isaac Salamalo. Um, I don't think there's any way he's coming back. Uh, he's a great offensive lineman, but they are obviously an area of need across the league. They have uh market value at two years, 24 million, 12 million a season for Salamal. Um, I don't think the Eagles bring him back. I think he's almost a surety, surety that he's going to be gone. Uh, and again, it's not because I don't want him here. I just don't think the Eagles going to, they have, like you said, it comes down to depth. They do have depth on the line. And I think he's, uh, he's, he's going to be playing elsewhere next year. Your thoughts. Yep.
1: With depth on the line, tied to rookie contracts, Samala will get paid, and he'll get paid elsewhere. Good for him. He deserves it.
0: Yep. And next up is Andre Dillard. I think kind of the same, if not, you know, there's got to be a lot of teams salivating at a first-round tackle at 27 years old who's been under the coaching of uh, – um, who's our offensive line coach? Got it. Names are – Stouten. Stouten, thank you. Uh mm-hmm. has been under Stouten's tutelage for his entire career. I think Dillard's shown that he's got potential on his left tackle, and he's even played some left guard pretty well last year. Um, I would like the Eagles to keep him, because you'd hate to burn on a first-round pick on this guy, but he's going to they don't have market value on here in the site for him, um, but I would think he's making $3 million this year. I think that at least doubles uh, in the free agent market um, for a young offensive tackle, and I don't see the Eagles um, bringing him back, unfortunately. I would like to see them be able to squeeze him in, but Again, we got funds to to disperse in other important positions. And I think Dillard, somebody's going to get a deal. I think whoever he goes to is going to get a young offensive tackle that they can plug into their team for the next five to eight years. Um, And unfortunately, it's not going to be here in Philly. What are your thoughts on Dillard?
1: No, I kind of agree. I I don't know. I don't have an opinion of Dillard's. You know, some desperate team is going to sign him. Yeah. Uh, And I hope. That he plays well, and if uh, if some desperate team doesn't sign him, then I think he'll be back in the Eagles for cheap.
0: Yeah, I just don't think I don't see it happening. I think you know you get an offensive lineman that's 27 years old, who's got some starting experience in the league. Again, under a great offensive line coach, they're going to get him at a decently bargain price. I don't see him back, but unless there's nobody who's got their radar on him, which I would surprise the heck out of me. And Eagles able to get him back that way. I, I think he's gone, but um, but we're pretty much in agreement there with uh, with Dillard. Next is a tough one for me. Um, Kaiser White, twenty six years old, gonna be twenty seven next year. Got him as a bargain this year at three million dollars a year. Um, played pretty well. I can say this though, and I'll, I'll say this for the record because I know I I the, when I first got him, I compared him again, not as being the t- type of talent as Dawkins. But you remember I, I said that, you know, he reminds me Dawkins and his intensity on the field. That's really the only comparison to how Dawkins it kind of started and ended there. And I didn't see as much of that as I was expecting. So it was a little bit of a disappointment for me, even though he played pretty well. I'm not trying to say he didn't play that well, but I didn't see that like intensity. I saw in some of the highlight film that I saw when I was doing some study on him when they first signed him. Uh, they have his market value at two years, $17 million, which goes up to $8.5 a, a season. Again, he's making $3 million this year with the Eagles. I don't see the Eagles paying $8.5 for Kaiser White. Um, although, I'll say this. They also, and we're going to get to that guy in a moment, they need to pay Edwards. One of these two guys is not going to come back. And I don't know if it's going to be uh, – here's the thing. I think in terms of stopping the run, you'd much rather have a guy bigger like Edwards and then have uh, Nicolby Dean replace Kaiser White because Dean's kind of on a smaller side. But yet Dean's main position is middle linebacker, which is Edwards' position. So I guess I can see White coming back with N'Kobe Dean and Edwards being gone. But to me, that's risky because that's not a lot of beef (laughs) at your linebacker position with Kaiser White and N'Kobe Dean. Um, You know, it seems to me like, I know they're good tacklers, but, you know, a big running back could plow right through those guys, I think. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I guess we might as well tie Edwards into this discussion. I don't think there's either. I don't think that the Eagles will pay because you're white, $8.5 eight But what do you think?
1: No, so one of them is going to go. I think whoever the Eagles are highest on will stay. Um, and then the Kobe Dean, wherever he's projected – or whatever his trajectory is, whether it's the outside or the middle, that's the guy that will move. Um uh, and so, who knows until that happens? So I, I think, I think ideally, I kind of agree with the size and shape matter that Edwards is the better to keep it in the middle with Nicole Dean finding a role on the outside. But if they somehow are able to find a a kind of like hybrid defense where it's Nicole Dean and Kaiser in the middle, then you know how does that play out with losing Javon Hargrave and the defensive tackles too? So it's like if you lose beef in the middle. Um, you know, maybe that's not a thing. Maybe you don't have to be so concerned with the runs, uh, with today's running game in the NFL. I'm not sure. But I think N'Kobe Dean is
0: going to play, and he's going to replace one of those two guys. So maybe it's, Yeah, uh, Dean's definitely playing, playing for sure.
1: Yep. So I, I don't know. I, I like them both, and one of them has to go. That's what sucks. So I think I think we already took care of Edwards here, too, because he's in the same situation. One of those are going. Yeah. And Dean
0: them's going and you thought about you know I mentioned now eight and a half million market annual salary for uh, for white listen to the contract that Edwards has played himself into they have his market value at four years 47 basically four years 48 million so almost 12 million a season for Edwards there's no way in hell he goes playing paying that so they never pay linebackers anyway and he made he made just 2.2 million this year so he'd go up almost 10 million in salary Um so I think when when the, Eagle, if the eagles look at it from a, just strictly from a financial standpoint, I think there's a better chance of Kezier White coming back than Edwards. But you know, I think they're gonna they want. I don't think the Eagles want to lose Edwards, but I don't think there's any way they're paying them that much money. I just don't. You know, again, they never.
1: You know, linebacker is still the last position that the Eagles think about on defense. So
0: yeah. Um, all right, we're going to run through these pretty quick now. Dodamik and Sue and LeVon Joseph, both of those guys were kind of just, you know, late-season hires, both of them in their mid-30s. Neither one of them I see coming back. Boston Scott, uh, 27, going to be 28 years old. I I like to keep him. He's only going to, you know, even, market, um, even the market value they have is just a million dollars a year. I think that's very reasonable for a guy like Scott who's going to be, you know, can return punts. Um, can – a return kickoffs, rather. He can – you know, he's a good guy that they could bring in. He's a giant killer. It's me, that's worth a million bucks. I'd like to see Scott come back. What about you?
1: I think what helped him was the time on the field as a kick returner late in the season. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, I think the Eagles look at running backs like linebackers. I think they think they can draft him late and they can plug him in. Plus, they got game well that's young, and if Sanders moves on – you know, they've got Gamewell there. They can draft somebody to, to backstop Gamewell. Everyone's always screaming for another running back on I mean, the roster, but Howie just seems to put guys together on the cheap every year. So if Scott's available for a million or less, then, yeah, probably comes back. And if it's more than that, then he's probably like, good luck. See ya. We'll draft another guy.
0: All right. We're going to make this a two-part show. Um, because We're at the 61-minute mark, and I do not want to tempt fate here. Let me just uh... – I'm gonna make this two-part episode, and the second part would be pretty quick because I know Matt, you gotta run. Um, but again, I don't want to have chance uh, losing this podcast like I did the last time. So check yep. back into the next episode, uh, Matt and I will be right, right back uh, in the uh, second half. So we'll uh, we'll see you then.